Um, uh, Jess, you, you've uh, left me a couple of messages, but um, firstly, I, I have a little message for you, uh, or rather a, a plea. Uh, I've just put some batteries in the, this uh, podcast recorded device thing of yours, whatever you call it, uh, but the battery sign on the screen isn't full which tells me either you or Paul have been putting used or partly used batteries back in the new battery drawer and not in the spent battery pot next to the recycling bin. Um, I, I know it's not your mother doing that because she's the one who went to the trouble of putting the pot there in the first place uh, and it's usually her who takes them to the special drop-off bin at the spa. I'm not after a culprit here between you and your brother so I, I don't want to hear denials. I'm simply saying let's all just shape up. Uh, now, your message is, you, you've texted to say you want me to put in a bit of promotion for some light entertainment podcast or other called um, Three Bean Salad. Uh, question, is this an advert? In which case, have they paid you or us for this? Um, if it's just some local St. Elwickians providing local entertainment, then I'm I'm happy to promote, but I, I, I'm not sure that's the case. I, I tried to have a little Google of them. Um, one of them seems to be Exeter-based at least. Question mark over which ward, though? One of them, I think, illustrates medical textbooks for a living, so he's probably no trouble. Uh, but the other one, um, I, I did find a very flippant tweet of theirs about the royal family, which I really can't support at all. Also, if I am supposed to promote it, uh, could you give me a steer on how, please? Because I, I can't quite tell what the point of it is. Um, it seems to be just three men talking about stuff willy-nilly. Uh, is that what people listen to now? Is that what you listen to? Um, if so, why, please? And why are they even called Three Bean Salad uh, when there's no evidence that they're even talking about salads at all? Um, it's misleading, frankly, and might even be in breach of the Trade Descriptions Act. Um, re your other message uh, that Bridget Yap came by when I was out and wants to discuss something with me. Um, that's just Bridget trying to push another one of her schemes. Uh, presumably the Rotary Club have, have turned it down and she thinks we'll take on their offcuts. Um, and I, I bet you I know exactly which scheme this is. Um, I know for a fact she wants to start an annual Hero of St Elwick's Award. Bad idea. She doesn't know that uh, because she wasn't in Exeter in the late 90s, uh, unlike myself uh, and unlike the rest of her Rotary Club officials, uh, some of whom uh, have been here since the 30s. Um, put it this way, there was an incident. Um, have I ever told you about Fred Winchester? I don't know. I'm not sure if I have. I, curious fellow. Um, in a nutshell, low-level marketing coordinator for a conglomerate of leisure centres, badminton enthusiast, bachelor. Um, I remember him as a rather frustrated individual. He, uh, he cornered me once in the hourglass at... Um, Sandy Pangborn's 40th, this is years ago, uh, when he'd had a few too many lager tops. And he was irritated uh, that people locally did not hold him in the esteem he felt he deserved. Uh, essentially, that they thought he was just a perfectly okay, mediocre sort of bloke, but with, with no standout qualities. Crucially, he felt that his greatest attribute was courage. The only sticking point um, was that bad luck and, and circumstance had, had conspired to mean this had never been tested in a provable way. He'd never had to confront a burglar in his house, for example. He'd never had to hurtle into a, a burning building to rescue a stricken pensioner. Every few months, someone or some dog would fall into the River X, um, usually down by the uh, 
pubs and restaurants by the quay, uh, and they'd make the local papers, but he'd never been there when it happened to fish them out. Um, he even took a, a very long route to and from work every day via the river just in case he got lucky. Never worked. He was particularly cheesed off uh, that his generation had never had a war, um, at least not a, not a proper one, uh, like a really big one with conscription. Um, uh, no, he, he, um, he thought, uh, well, no, no, he knew um, in his heart of hearts that he was VC material, uh, but, but needed proof of valour for everyone else. Um, I remember he was extremely jealous of Daniel Haberty, uh, who had a scar on his forehead from a donkey bite. I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, Daniel had been at uh, Sedmouth Donkey Sanctuary for his wedding anniversary and, and claimed um, that he stepped in between his wife Harriet and a, a belligerent donkey and so spared her injury. Not only that, uh, but, but Daniel, as, as you know, is, is a pretty, pretty diminutive chap, so a forehead-level injury for him would have meant a, a throat-level donkey bite for Harriet. So probably the donkey sanctuary was spared a fatality that day, um, including that of the donkey itself, as it turned out, whose, uh, whose sentence of death was commuted after Daniel couldn't hand on heart identify him in a, a line-up of sorts. At least, that was the story at the time. Five years after that, Harriet and Daniel got divorced, and Harriet spilled the beans that Daniel had actually been taunting the donkey by throwing pogs at it. Um, but that was the 90s. Um, different time. Anyway, the point is that as far as everyone was concerned back then, Daniel had a hero scar. Uh, it wasn't disfiguring, in fact it quite suited him, um, but it was large enough to act as a, a very nice little icebreaker when meeting new people. Daniel would invariably be asked about it, um, and if someone was to hand who could tell the story on his behalf, he'd modestly say it was nothing and let someone step in to cover him in glory. Uh, but if, if he had to tell the story himself, he had the anecdote fully workshopped and ready to go, uh, self-deprecating rib ticklers included. Um, Fred did not like this one bit. He, he felt that Daniel did not deserve his hero status, uh, nor his scar. He felt that he deserved the status and a, and a, and a nice eye-catching scar, but he just hadn't had his moment in the limelight. Until spring 1998, Kentish Town... London, where a little boy was entertaining his sister on the platform of a, a tube station, jumping about, you know, wiggling his bum at her while she chuckles away in her pushchair, that sort of thing. Their mother's distracted, trying to fish something out of a bag. The boy, playing to the gallery, over-exit, slips, falls backwards and onto the tracks. In the same moment, a tube train hurtles out of the end of the tunnel and is barreling unstoppably towards him. In a miracle of reflexes, a bystander leaps from the platform, scoops the boy up and bounces back up into safety in, in what looks like a, a single movement. And the train misses them by a whisker. The boy is distraught, but unharmed, and within minutes, commuters are huddled around the little family to comfort or chastise, and before any of them notices, the man, who saved the boy, peels away from the crowd and is gone. We know this because the following day the CCTV footage was on every single news programme in the country, and grainy close-ups were in every newspaper. The, 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 the mother made a, a public appeal for the Good Samaritan to identify himself so she could thank him. No one came forwards. The man became a myth. Not only had he displayed heroism, but he apparently didn't even want thanks or praise. He was a, he was a, a, a paragon of selflessness, much like your mother. Cut to a week later, and I remember this vividly, Marjorie Finkler your favourite babysitter, circa 2012, 2013 or so, she treats herself to a Savaloy and chips from the chippy that used to be on Magdalen Road. I don't know if you remember that. Bobby Scampy's Chips and Bits. 
Terrific place. Anyway, in the gleam of the greasy newspaper that her meal is wrapped in, she sees a blurry black-and-white zoomed-in photo of someone she's sure she recognises. Fred Winchester. Never much of a newshound, Marjorie, so she'd missed the story entirely until she'd almost eaten it. But now she knew about it, and she was certain that the mystery man was Fred. And she asked him, of course. I expect he liked being asked, but he denied it. His denial only made her more certain she was right. And you know what Marjorie's like when she gets her teeth into something, hmm? She ain't letting go. Well, tongues start wagging, and pretty soon people realise that Fred was often in London for work. Not only that, but Arthur Bockett said he remembered Fred saying that when he was in London he often made a beeline for Kentish Town as the municipal baths there were the cleanest in the city. And so, it was established that Fred could very well have been at that tube station on that day, and the consensus was that while the CCTV images were far from clear, the resemblance to Fred was certainly there. Fred continued to deny it, but you could tell he was lapping it up, and with each day that passed his denials became less and less convincing. They became adorned with a, a, a raised eyebrow here or a, a pregnant pause there, uh, sometimes with an outright wink. Mm-hmm. Finally, the people of St Elwick's could bear it no longer and petitioned the Lord Mayor of Exeter to honour Fred. They wanted the world to know that this courageous man belonged not to London, but Devon. So Fred is summoned to the Guildhall to receive the freedom of the city. He was going to go down in history. And from that day forth, as it is, as is still the case with the freedom of the city, would technically be able to drive sheep through the town centre, if he so chose, and or carry a sword. Fred must have been excited about this, but he must also have known this was the point of no return. If he accepted the invitation to the ceremony, he'd be admitting he was indeed the mysterious child saver. And I remember, I remember thinking back to our chat in the hourglass at this point, and it occurred to me that, well, maybe it is all true, in which case fair play, but... But if it isn't true, I, I sort of had a feeling that, that Fred so truly believed he had this quality of courage that pretending it was true was in some way perversely honest. Now, I know he thought about skipping the freedom of the city bequeathal and, and made a bit of a thing about not wanting any fuss made of his great deeds, but peer pressure is a powerful thing. And he was paraded up the streets by literally tens of St. Elwickians, all the way up to the high street, into the Guildhall, and to the Lord Mayor himself. Well, there must have been at least 50 people already in the room. And I know it couldn't have been more than 64 because we hosted an AGM there once and they're very strict on numbers for fire regulations. There were his neighbours, colleagues, local councillors, local press. It's even said that a young Kirsty Allsop was there, although that's apocryphal. The room was brought to order. You could have heard a pin drop. Fred was gently shoved forwards to receive his award. Then... A little piping voice came from a small boy standing next to the Lord Mayor. That's not the man, it said. But piping, imagine a boy doing it. But but not not any boy. The boy. The rescued boy. And directly behind the rescued boy, his mother. And one glance at her, and her, what I believe you call stink-eye expression, told you the kid was telling the truth. Well... Fred did not stick around for any feedback. He was out like a shot. No idea where he went. We know he didn't go straight home because there was a mob there waiting for him. A couple of weeks later, the for sale sign went up. Then came the removal van. Still no sign of Fred. To this day, still no sign. The point I'm making, Jess, is heroes fall. We know that, locally, now. We got burned. 
As a result, no one has been officially celebrated as a hero in St Elwick's since, or indeed anywhere in Exeter, to my knowledge. But if Bridget took the time to actually get to know this community instead of simply trying to impose her will on it, she'd know that, and she'd know she's on a hiding to nothing. So, cautionary tale. Right, this newsletter then. Um, quite a few parish notices this month, so I'd better get on with it before these batteries run out.